Welcome back to Love in the Time of Climate Change. This is episode six of our eight-part series, and hopefully by now you're caught up. On today's episode, we'll be interviewing Kaya Chatterjee of U.S. Climate Action Network. Tapping my fingers to the beat. A special thank you to our sponsor, Political Climate, a bipartisan podcast on energy and environmental issues in America and around the world. Let's get started. Welcome back to Love in the Time of Climate Change. Last time, Isla left Senator Hernandez's office energized by the progress she thought she made in changing the senator's mind and decided to be an effective agent of change. She decided to confront Glamazon about all that packaging they sent to her with her one tiny eco-friendly candle. In her excitement, she invited Aiden to dinner, but Aiden, in a very typical non-committal way, told her he'd try. So stay tuned next time to see if he'll come through. For now, let's tune in to see Isla confronting Glamazon at their newest shiny customer-facing corporate store. On her way there, as she repeats Sage's mantra, action is the antidote to despair, Isla, with her pile of packaging that towers above her, runs into two girlfriends. Action is the antidote to despair. Action is the antidote to despair. Isla, is that you behind all that trash? Oh, hi, Sheila. Hi, Zara. Hi, Isla. It's so good to see you. What is all this stuff? Just something I'm returning. But it's so great to see you two. What have you two been up to? Well... We have news for you. Oh, what? Well, we just bought a house, so we're shopping for our housewarming party. Wow, congratulations. And we are expecting. Wow, I'm so happy for you. Yes, we are just elated right now. Of course, we'll send you the baby shower invitation. Yep, I've got a few of those lined up this month. And it's in that moment that Isla hears the ominous clock sound again. But what about climate change and all the uncertainties of what the future will hold? You both are so brave to be having a child in this age. Yeah, climate change is frightening, but we're having a kid anyway because children give us Hope. But that clock, well, my own biological clock is also ticking. I can't seem to tune out these two ticking time bombs, my own and the planet's. You'll be fine. Are you dating anyone? What's new with you? Still single, but I'm working to try and get the Green New Deal passed and hold companies accountable for their destructive practices. Girl, how are you still single? You're so inspirational. Hang in there. Madam Vice President didn't find Doug till she was 50. True. Well, thanks. Speaking of which, I'm going to go take care of this pile of packaging. Well, good luck. Yeah, we'll see you at the baby shower. Bye. Action is the antidote to despair. Action is the antidote to despair. 
Now, who can I speak to here? <clears throat> I'd like to speak to a manager. Uh, uh, what can I do for you? The trash is over there. I ordered one candle, one tiny eco-friendly candle, and this is the packaging it came in. This, does this look eco-friendly to you? Um, I'm sorry. I'm happy to take this off your hands. Oh, really? Take it off my hands and put it where? The landfill? Landfills are highly toxic and overflowing and contributing to increasing greenhouse gases. No, I want you to create better products that are less wasteful and can actually be recycled. Like, what do I do with this envelope filled with bubble wrap? Google told me I had to separate the lining from the shell and then take these products to two different sites. How many people do you really expect to go through the hassle of separating the lining from the shell and then figuring out where the hell to take it? We can do better. You can do better. Um, why don't you just fill out this customer review form and I'll make sure your issues get taken to the top. It better. I'm going to follow up with you on this. Uh, that's above my pay grade. A customer review form? What will that do? I should start an online petition. Uh, so, I hear you. We're actually not allowed to talk about climate change. Our boss has threatened to fire us with any more climate talk. But send me your petition and I'll send it around. Deal. They can't stop all of us. And Isla decides to start a petition. She realizes her boycott would only have a limited impact. But with thousands of people, maybe they could convince the giant to actually improve their business practices. Join us next time to see if Isla had any luck with pushing the needle on the Green New Deal, or with convincing Glamazon to do better, or in her dating life, or easing her climate anxiety. Action is the antidote to despair. <laughs> That's a good line. Did you make that up? Isn't it? But no, I can't take credit for it. I think I first came across the line at a Citizens Climate Lobby conference and I really liked it. I think it's good advice for anyone. Either you wallow in climate depression or you do something about it. Exactly. Well, there are a few things worth unpacking here. Let's first start with that line by the store manager that was played by you saying that they're not actually allowed to talk about climate change. Their bosses threatened them with any more climate talk. <laughs> yeah, I remember we added that line like in the last moment before I went on stage, <laughs> as if memorizing my usual lines wasn't hard enough. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've already apologized for last minute script changes, but uh, thanks for accommodating that addition. Um, there was a story that came out about how Amazon workers weren't allowed to talk about climate change. And so I just had to add it in at the last minute. Yeah, definitely ironic since Jeff Bezos has made such big climate announcements and yet goes on to threaten his employees. Right. And his company, I mean, is largely to be blamed for consumption and climate change. So he's here profiting from climate change, making these big announcements and then threatening his employees with climate talk. And they just announced a new Amazon CEO to replace Jeff Bezos. Hopefully he's more genuine, but I'm not holding my breath. I will say it's easy to fall in the rabbit hole of Amazon, 
But as we've learned, there's nothing glamorous about Glamazon. Yeah. The other issue I want to talk about is how Isla sort of lashes out to the manager, expecting him to fix the company's waste problems. Yeah. In situations like that, it's so easy to find someone to be the punching bag. Yeah. And then finally, at the start of the scene, when Isla runs into her two friends who are expecting, it was short, but I think there's a lot to unpack there. Yes. I think it's common for millennials to feel overwhelmed by the thought of having kids. Personally, I'm still managing my student loan debt and thinking about how expensive it is to start a family is just another layer of stress I just can't afford. And don't get me started on climate change. Yeah. And not that it's a competition, but add being a woman on top of all of that. I think there are added pressures for women because of the biological clock factor, whether climate change is on your mind or not, and then societal expectations of women that a lot of women tend to internalize. Well, hopefully that's changing. As we mentioned in the play, and of course in real life, Vice President Harris didn't meet her first second gentleman until she was in her 50s. And also, she doesn't have any biological kids of her own. Maybe Cupid works in mysterious ways. So patience could be a virtue? (sighs) Way to be an optimist, Albert. (laughs) Hey, you stole my line. Well, I do know this part of the play resonated, especially with those who are single and even couples who may not have kids. When the main character was grimacing as she congratulated her friends on their upcoming baby and their new home purchase. (laughs) This scene reminds me of a meme and we love memes, (laughs) where all of your friends are bragging about a new addition to their family, and those who don't have kids are just bragging about a new houseplant they bought. (laughs) I can definitely relate to that. I definitely have a lot of plant-demic pals. (laughs) Good one. Well, I'm excited to dive into these topics today with our guest, Kaya Chatterjee, who was at one of our first performances back when live plays were a thing. So we're thrilled you came to see our play and equally thrilled to have you on as a guest today. Kaya Chatterjee is the executive director of U.S. Climate Action Network and author of the book, The Zero Footprint Baby, How to Save the Planet While Raising a Healthy Baby. Her work focuses on building an inclusive movement in support of climate action. Kaya, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. And Kea, your background is so fitting for all the topics we want to discuss in this scene. Um, I first wanted to get your opinion about environmental statements that large corporations issue, like Amazon, but so many others, BP, Shell, Microsoft, the list goes on, who claim they'll be reducing their climate impact. Do you think these statements hold water? The short answer is no. Unless these companies are actually committing to change policy and are are taking pretty dramatic action, it's really, really hard to trust the same companies that are causing the problem with their statements that they are solving the problem. And so I would actually separate some of those examples you put out there and say like, Companies that are like big oil companies like BP, Shell, etc., there there is no way people should believe them. They are the you know originators of misinformation uh, before we got into this era where everyone was living in different lived realities. They were always peddling misinformation. Uh, they've just mm-hmm. never been good actors, and and there is no way that anyone should trust what they're saying. Their their motivation is simply to make a profit. They don't care about their workers. They don't care about 
the climate crisis and and all they're trying to do is make money. I would separate that out from other corporations that that are trying to do a good thing and particularly just say that, you know, in a world where we deal with climate change, we also have dealt with a lot of other racial injustice, economic injustice issues, which probably means that we don't even have these massive corporations um, that, you know, and these CEOs with huge salaries. And we've actually like taken apart this, this way of working where people who are very wealthy, billionaires, oligarchs, those people right now are, have actually been very aligned with white supremacy and with warmongering. And all of that has led to this dependence on fossil fuels, just to, to make it even more extreme for people and help folks understand how much we should not trust big oil companies. If you look at the members of Congress who voted to throw out the votes of this presidential election, they got more money from fossil fuel companies to run their campaigns than other people in Congress. So we can just see this really direct connection between you know, anti-democratic processes, fascism, lying, misinformation, and these fossil fuel companies. Wow, thank you for that candid response. And yeah, I mean, it's so much deeper than just, um, you know, is this a good statement? I think it is really exploring the history of the corporation, as you said. So thank you for that. The other thing, and if it hasn't been abundantly clear by now that this play is semi-autobiographical, there is a part in this scene that was also inspired by my life. Um, the other day I was at a grocery store and let's go ahead and call them out here. I was at fresh time and they still don't allow people to use reusable bags. And so I was having a conversation with the cashier asking why and, you know, telling her other grocery stores are now allowing reusable bags and going into how the plastic industry actually funded the reports that claimed reusable bags can help spread the coronavirus. And she just kind of shrugged and said that that was their store policy. And I was obviously not upset at her, but I was upset. So I came home and I went online and I submitted a customer review form. Um, I didn't go to the length of creating an online petition. But, you know, my question here is, what is the most effective way to take action in a case like this? Is it spreading awareness to the employees and customers? Is it continuing to put pressure on the company? Is it getting the city to pass plastic bag laws? Um, is it all of the above? Kay, I'm just wondering if you have insights here. Yeah, I mean, I think the best way to get anything done is to join together with other people in getting that done. Uh, and so finding the people who you want to work with, who share your values and want to advance something, and then figuring out what is the power you have. Do you have economic power? Are there enough of you where like, you know, a boycott is going to be effective or, or a social media campaign? Do you have more political power in that you have inroads into your city council members? You know, what is the power you have? Uh, as a grouping? And then how can you advance it? You know, it's trite, it's said all the time, but a very small group of people can get big things done. It's much harder as an individual. And so my advice to people is to join a group, 
start a group. We have a wealth of groups in DC. We have something called Arm in Arm um, that has a hub in DC, you know, for young folks, there's Sunrise Hubs that, you know, obviously there's lots of organizations you can join, but find a few other people. And, and these are very winnable campaigns. Like, like what you're talking about is a totally winnable campaign. You just have to find a few friends, figure out what's, what your biggest source of power is and, and go get it done. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. In the play, I found it inspiring how Isla recognized the problem at Glamazon only after attacking the poor helpless manager, which coincidentally I also played. But collectively, they were able to distribute a successful petition to change the company's policies. Yeah, the play definitely had a simplified version of how easy it is to change these company policies. But you know, definitely, uh, it speaks to exactly what Kay is talking about, joining a group and doing this as a community, which is a salient theme that comes through from the play. Um, well, let's jump to the third topic, which is having kids in the age of climate change. So my partner and I have had the conversation about starting a family, but a conclusion we always encounter is both the economic and environmental cost. I started reading your Zero Footprint Baby book, but I was curious if you cover advice for potential parents like us who happen to be gay, who are wrestling with the idea of starting a family, but feel guilty about increasing our climate footprint. Yeah, I mean, it's a very personal decision whether to uh, to bring a child into your family. And so I think it's actually a really hard thing to give people advice about uh, because it's a deeply personal thing. And so really, I just feel like all I can do is share my own experience and my own thinking. And certainly, you know, I'm a person who studied climate science, worked at NASA, really have read a lot of the literature I've worked on, you know, on the climate crisis for, for my entire adult life. And you know, for me, a, a lot of what I was thinking about was the other side of the coin, not not just like the climate impact of having a baby, but what is my responsibility to to my child as a parent? And uh, and it, it's a huge responsibility because you know, having you know, as a mom, it's my job to protect my kid, and knowing that that's in the context of threats to food, water, shelter, larger fires, hurricanes, just means that like I had to I had to really believe that not only could could people gather together, but that we would gather together. I had to believe that not only could we envision a world where we really center racial justice and economic justice and win a stable climate and get a Green New Deal. I, I just I had to believe that we were going to do those things and I had to make sure that it happened. And I felt like as a parent, I really, it's not that I didn't feel like I had to before, but I just felt I was taking on this additional responsibility. And so I share that experience with people as just my own personal experience, not to say it's what anyone else should feel or do. Um, you know, we, I, I have a 10 year old, I have a fifth grader. So obviously I made my choice with the information and feelings that I had and everybody has to make their own choice. I do think the fact that people are struggling with this and a lot of people are struggling with this decision is a very, very powerful conversation piece for people who have people in their families or in their lives who are, you know, who are Trump voters, et cetera, because, you know, it's an extremely vulnerable thing to say to, you know, an uncle, a cousin, whatever, that, you know, I'm really struggling with whether or not to have children because of 
the climate crisis. And that is really hard for me. And have you ever had a similar like struggle or dilemma? And just tapping into people's humanity over over that kind of wrestling with a problem, I think I think actually is really important. And so my biggest advice to people is to be open and honest and vulnerable when thinking this through and and talking with people about it. But I have no advice for for people in terms of like how to live your lives. Sorry. Well, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, I definitely think there's sort of two sides of that, right? There is the fear of what bringing children into this world that is burning up, what that is, and then also this concern of increasing your climate footprint. So on a previous episode, we did interview a woman and she shared some of her feelings on the topic. I personally think I'm very likely to be childless by choice. And largely that's driven by the fact that there's a lot of things going on in the world that make the future uncertain, climate change being one of them. I've been thinking a lot about that choice in the past year during COVID and just sort of the uncertainty and, and really the, the terror of this year and thinking, you know, I, I wouldn't want to bring children into a world where these types of mass pandemics could happen again. I've also heard friends that I've had this conversation with say, but, you know, having children and getting to form and raise them is such an incredible way to also make sure the world is filled with passionate, justice-driven people. And I fully believe that too. And I think more and more people in our generation are thinking about what the world's going to look like when they make those decisions. That was Lauren Farwell from episode two, who just shared her thoughts on having kids in this age. Yeah, I just want to kind of go back to the idea of women feeling this extra pressure. So, you know, so many women told me that they resonated with the statement about the two ticking time bombs, the planets, that bell sound that is consistent throughout the play, and then their own biological clocks. So I don't know if you dealt with something similar, but this was uh, something that just a lot of people and especially women told me that they resonated with. Yeah, I I think it's very common. Um, And I I think that, you know, within the world of climate activists, I definitely have friends who told me that like they waited until after the Paris Climate Agreement was concluded Mm. to decide to have kids or they waited until they felt like the growth of renewables had gotten so um, large that that there was no no longer really a future for Mm -hmm. coal or, or gas or other fossil fuels. They waited until they felt like we had hit economic tipping points before making that decision. Again, it's just such a deeply personal decision. But I think what you hit on in the play really is something that a lot of people are feeling right now when, you know, particularly people who are have both ticking time bombs in front of them. Well, Kaya, thank you for your time and insights. Uh, to our listeners, make sure you check out her book, The Zero Footprint Baby. Now, we're not endorsing the use of Amazon, but if you happen to use it to shop for Kaya's book, please select Ecologic as your Amazon Smile charity. That's Ecologic, one word, no punctuation. Well, thank you so much, Kaya. Thank you so much for having me. And that wraps up this episode of Love in the Time of Climate Change, brought to you by Ecologic. This play was read by Emily Collins, Rosina Conchwala, Caroline Howe, Suleiman Guadri, Nayeli Paleo, Albert Arevalo, Alan McQuinn, and Carmen Hernandez. Hannah Leibowitz Lockhart and Jennifer Haupt are our audio editors. The theme song Soul Nostalgia was written and sung by Abby Peralt. Podcast graphic was designed by Fatima Nota. 
time It's not you, it's me And these rising seas Just some miles to last time Thanks a lot for listening. If you want to show your support, please subscribe to this podcast. Share this podcast on social media and find us on Instagram or Facebook at eco.logic.programs. Subscribe to our newsletter, check out the show notes and give us a rating or review. 